Welcome to the prolific teaching ministry of Pastor Emmanuel Iren, lead pastor of Celebration Church International. It is his vision to partner with you for your progress and joy in the faith. Ready, set, grow. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name we've prayed. Well, how are you all doing? Abuja, it's good to be with you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. Now, we're here for something serious. Something very serious. Um, our relationship with God is two-sided. He has... A ministry to us and we are privileged to have a ministry to him and any church that doesn't understand the second part will not be effective because as I've established in previous meetings God has prayer points and in some meetings he takes a hold of us as prayer instruments to birth and execute his will through us and this is that type of meeting so there are meetings that are specifically about meeting the needs of people. This is not that type of meeting. And that doesn't mean miracles will not happen. The miracles will be by the way. Do you understand what I'm saying? But we have business to execute. You know, I shared something um, two years ago, overture, from Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Can you open there as fast as possible? Romans 8, 26. Romans 8, 26, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Everybody, Romans 8, 26, read together loud as you can. One, two, go. Hallelujah. So now there is an infirmity amongst men, a pandemic, something more serious than COVID or anything that makes the whole world to fidget. And it's not a physical disease. It's not an ailment. He says it's an infirmity that men do not know what to pray for as we ought. So it is typical of the average man to get his priorities wrong. In a meeting like this, except by the Spirit, we don't even know what our focus should be. We don't even know. It's very typical of us to get our priorities wrong. When you ask a child, what should I buy for you? And you ask in the fullness of your capacity, in the fullness of the resources that God has entrusted to you, the child will still ask for something like biscuits because that's the understanding of the child, the capacity of the child. So you can imagine what it might feel like when God hears the average one man pray, especially one who has not been skilled in the knowledge of righteousness, who has not been trained in biblical doctrine. You will get your priorities wrong. And one of the most important things a prayerful man must understand is the priority of God. But we know the priority of God. We have the mind of Christ. Say, we have the mind of Christ. And so we're here to discuss something. This meeting is prophetic in nature. So there are some things I will say and teach. You may not understand why we need to talk about it, but we do. And there is something the church needs to learn more than ever before. I want to teach on something I've titled Understanding Divine Protection. Understanding Divine Protection. We think we understand it as a church. But I'm telling you for a fact that many believers who have been in church donkey years don't even understand how God protects. 
There are four main ways God protects. Four major ways. But we've emphasized just one. We know just one out of four. Anytime you hear protection in the church, you think of something, you know, divine. Supernatural intervention. That's what we think of. The angels will bear you up in their wings like eagles and just whisk you away from trouble. That's what we think of. Unfortunately, that's the least common way that God protects. I believe in divine protection 100%. I've seen it a couple of times, but it is just one out of four. And so, I really want to talk about this. So, number one way God protects. Listen, I want you to hold this dear to your heart. This is one teaching you must embrace and never forget. Number one way God protects Common sense. What did I call it? Oh, yes. Like Bishop Oedipo would often say, God gave you a brain so that you can give him rest. He doesn't always have to intervene in things that you can take initiative for. God protects by common sense. Turn your Bibles, Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 3. This is, this, is, this is a guide to protection. It says a prudent man. Prudence is not a spiritual gift. It's common sense. It has to do with planning. It has to do with structure. A prudent man foresees evil. Listen, we only talk about prophetic foreknowledge. But with planning, you can foresee. Come on, are you with me? With planning, you can foresee. You can foresee. Foresees evil and hides himself. He says, but the simple, someone who doesn't understand this wisdom, he passes on and he's punished. Not because he's not a Christian, not because God is not on his side, but because there is just a natural law of discernment that he has not mastered. Let me tell you this. We emphasize supernatural discernment, but there is natural discernment. You can look at someone and tell, not by the spirit, just by looking and tell that the person is not happy with you. Has that happened to you before? You can look at someone and tell that the person, that does, the person doesn't like you. There is natural discernment. And guess what? Many times, spiritual discernment is predicated on natural discernment. And so Jesus says in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter 16, verse 2 to 3, he was using this to challenge people who didn't understand spiritual discernment. Matthew 16, verse 2 to 3, he says, when it is evening, it will be a fair weather, you see. For the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be a foul weather, for the sky is red and threatening. He says, just the same way you can look at the weather and know rain is about to fall. That's natural discernment. Elijah, by supernatural discernment, can say, I hear a sound of abundance of rain. There was no physical sign. But sometimes, just by looking, you can tell. Come on, are you with me? And this is also important. So you must learn to discern. I'm talking about naturally. And this is important for protection. Watch the movements of people. The body language, those signals are important. Oh, hey my God. Church people need to learn this. You know, it's been my experience that church people are too trusting. Too trusting. Too trusting. Let me tell you something. The Bible says Jesus knew the heart of men. He knew all men. He didn't need anybody to testify of men. He knew. God's verdict about the heart of men is this. Desperately wicked. Come on, are you with me? So, there is a type of access and trust that must be earned. 
The fact that you are a believer does not make you naive. It must be earned. It must be earned. Don't just allow, if you have maybe security guards and all of that, okay, enter my room. Go and bring, enter your room. Not anymore. Are you listening to me? Listen prophetically to what I'm saying. We're too trusting. And because the only system of protection that we have emphasized is supernatural intervention, sometimes we act irresponsibly without even knowing. We act irresponsibly. When you want to pick a house to live in, what are the considerations that you, 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 you make? Some people only think about the costs and how fine the house is. Are you aware that's a mistake? You are not of little faith to ask yourself, if someone tries to break into this house, what is my defense? Are you listening to me? Church people have not been taught this. So you, you now have to ask yourself those questions. What is my defense? Because just because you are nice does not mean everyone around you is. What is the closest police station to this place? You must know. I know you speak in tongues, but you must know. Who in that police station, whose number do I have? You must know. There is, oh my God. Please, are you listening to me? Because a prudent man, a prudent man, a prud if you don't ob obey these laws, you were irresponsible. It wasn't on God. You know, I was thinking today about the story of Rahab, how spies came, you know, Jewish spies came into Jericho, spent the night in a house, you know, to spy Jericho, obviously, and then ran away. And the king of Jericho summoned her and said, we heard that some people were in your place. And she said, yeah, they were with me. I didn't know they were Jews. I didn't know where they were coming from. She protected the, and concealed the, 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 the identity of the Jews. Hid them on the roof. Now, these are the same children of Israel that God parted the Red Sea for. But now their safety was in the hands of a young lady who needed to hide them on a roof and then eventually hoist them down. So even if you have seen divine protection before, many times God will still protect you by natural means. Come on, are you with me? Uh -huh. He will still protect you by natural means. Rahab knew who they were. She said, I heard what God did to the two kings of Amorites. Just in case you want to read it later, it is Joshua chapter 2. You know, read the whole story. I've heard what he did to those two kings. I heard how he dried up the Red Sea in front of you. She knew who they were. But even the testimonies of the past did not in any way mean that some steps should not have been taken. You need to know this. Just in case you say, well, well, that's Rahab. You know what? The Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 39, that they sought to seize Jesus and he escaped. Have you read that before? What's the meaning of escape? Don't use, don't spiritualize it. 
Jesus ran away. Did you hear what I said? You are not less spiritual for learning how to run. A lot of people think that the more your depth, the less your natural reflexes. God put those reflexes to protect you. You know, sometimes you will watch some skits or, or, or some people who, are, who have prank videos. And when you make a sound and you react, you now say, ah, he, he's not confident. Yeah, yes. <laughs> people who have no reflexes, maybe their nervous system is damaged. I know there is another extreme. There are some people who are scared of everything. That's not what we're talking about. But if you don't have reflexes, there are simple things that you would have avoided, simple harm that you would have avoided, escaped, that you won't escape. Come on, are you with me? There is common sense. I know you are deep. I know you are spiritual. But guess what? It takes less power of God to replace your natural things than to raise you up when you are dead. And so there is this narrative, if someone comes against you and wants your resources, come on. Are you listening to me? And this is the problem in the church. When you hear teachings like this, you think the person teaching you is not deep. It's not spiritual. Hmm? But I'm sure, I'm sure you know that's not the case. This is common sense. Common sense. A prudent man sees trouble afar off, and what does he do? Uh, preach that to someone by your side. <laughs> the second way God protects prophetic insights. Prophetic insights. This time around is not the fairness of the weather. It's not anything you can see in the cloud. You just sense. You rise up like Paul and say, I perceive something is going to happen to this ship. You, you just know. That's prophetic insights. It is preventive. He tells you ahead of time. Prophetic insights. God appears to the wise men in a dream, tell, telling them, Herod is lying. Herod pretended. He said, oh, when you find Jesus, come and tell me so that I will come and worship him also. But they were warned in the dream by angels. Herod is lying. Take another route and leave this place. And then in chapter 2, verse 13 of the book of Matthew. Now, just think about it. If God took on flesh, dwelt amongst us, and was in a manger, what type of protection, divine protection, would you have thought he, he would have needed? Based on traditional charismatic exposure, you would think that even if you bring 20 armored vehicles and just fire, nothing will happen, right? But look at what God said. The Bible says, and when they departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take your young child and his mother. The young child is who? Just to be sure we are on the same page. Take your young child and his mother and do what? Did he say pray? What did he say? So imagine what a sight it would have been carrying Jesus and running. They ran away. So now, this was by prophetic insight, but it still had a common sense component to it. It says, run. Run. Run, oh. It says, and be there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Herod will try to kill Jesus. 
So now, this is not true prudence. This is true prophecy. And just because it came prophetically doesn't mean you don't have to take action, except if God tells you not to. Let me tell you this. Never underestimate the power of free will. Never underestimate the power of free will. The sovereign God has given man free will. God does not want any man to perish, but men perish every day. Men die every day without knowing him. That should tell you something. Never underestimate the power of free will. Listen, I want to tell you this. If someone wants to harm you, except by mercy, are you aware that divine intervention is mercy? It's not a right. Divine it except by mercy. Chances are the person can. And that's why even Jesus, the incarnate son of God, he says, carry him and run. Because Herod wants to destroy him. Imagine. Don't joke with the power of free will. He says, oh my God. Come on, are you with me? In Acts chapter 7, the first Matthias Stephen was surrounded by people who hated the gospel. They picked up stones. And as they were stoning him, the Bible says he saw Jesus at the right hand of God. He saw Jesus. Now, I know that there is a deeper spiritual meaning. But what he saw was a revelation of what was happening at the time. Jesus witnessed it. Have you read that before? Jesus saw it happen. Don't underestimate the power of free will. Acts chapter 7, 55, 56, 59. The Bible says, as they were stoning Stephen, he was calling on the name of the Lord. Verse 59. As they stoned Stephen, he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. There's a lot to say about that. And so the Bible tells you in Proverbs chapter 29, verse 2. Turn there quickly. I'm trying to be as fast as possible so that we can have some time to pray. Proverbs 29, verse 2. Are you there? Read together, loud as you can. One, two, go. Aha. It matters who is ruling you. It matters. It matters. Yes, there is divine intervention. But here is the thing. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked bears rule, the people mourn. Fact of life. Never underestimate free will. So we're going to talk more about what we can do about that. Maybe in the second and the third session. We must have a better strategy as a church. Because if you want to stay on the vulnerable side, just praying, as powerful as prayer is, there are some laws that are more important, more powerful. I'm telling you, free will, the free will of man. Have you not read? The earth is the Lord's. The heaven of the heavens are the Lord's. The earth has it given to men. In this realm, men hold sway. Come on, are you with me? It's important that you understand this. It's important that you understand this. Those of you who intercede know what I'm saying. 
when you have a relative that chooses to be stubborn, that's free will. Oh my God, if you are going to change that person, do you know it's almost impossible through prayer? You might not have heard this before. Free will is, free, free will is powerful. Ah, and you will do a lot of praying. You will do a lot of praying. When it comes to your own life, not as much is important. Not as much praying is important. But when it comes to superimposing the will of God on a matter that another man who has responsibility over that issue has decided not to yield, you are going to pray. Come on, are you with me? And I know what some people are thinking. You know, some even go so far as to say, well, why would God give free will? Well, first and foremost, had he not given free will, the sheer audacity to see something wrong with free will in the first place, you won't have. The fact that you can have a problem with free will is part of the luxury of free will in the first place. That you are free to think and realize that free will is a problem to you. It's part of the benefits of free will. The benefits of free will outweigh the cons. You, you, you see, and it's very irresponsible to blame God for the irresponsibility of other men. Somehow, we always find a way to do the most convenient thing and say, well, God, why, why did you? A man holds a gun, pulls the trigger. Man manufactured gun. Guns did not fall from heaven. No gun has ever fallen from heaven. A man used the intelligence that God gave him to create a weapon of destruction. Carried it, pointed at someone, pulled the trigger. You now say, why did God allow? What do you mean? It seems convenient. It's a convenient thing to do. Hold men accountable. Hold the government that you put in position to protect you accountable. Come on, are you with me? Hold them accountable. The best defense against free will is free will. The same way man has the privilege of foolishness, has the privilege to carry weapons, the government also has the permission and the responsibility to protect her people. That's the best defense against free will. Please, are you with me? This is so crucial. This is so important. God wants relationship. For relationship to be possible, free will must be in existence. Just the same way you can't have a relationship with your device. The fact that you pressed an app and the app responded doesn't mean you have a relationship. That's compliance. God wanted love. God wanted relationship. And for you to be able to truly love, there must be the power of choice to do otherwise. If you didn't have the choice to do otherwise, you didn't love. Hence, the power of free will. But guess what? It can be abused. You have abused your free will many times. You have done things in the past that even God did not want you to do. The fact that you did smaller things does not mean, well, smaller things, I hope, you know. The fact that your own was smaller does not mean it's not the same principle. What is number one? What is number two? Number three. <laughs> number three way God protects is the gospel. Did you hear what I said? Yes, sir. 
before I say what I really have in mind to establish this point, I want to also say this. So I'm going to explain this in two parts. Number one, the gospel is also a hindrance against supernatural intervention. The gospel is the reason why all the bad people in the world will not wake up sick at the same time or will not just suddenly die. Just like many of you hope. The gospel is the reason. I have many theories about that. If all the dead, if all the wicked people die instantly, new wicked people will arise. I assure you. Go and study hardness of heart well. Go and study how people develop wickedness. There is a science to it. Some is abundance, some is lack. So if some of the leaders that you hate die and new people take their role, that the power will, will take advantage of the lost in people and turn them to monsters. You'll be surprised. If you missed our teaching last week, well, you, you, you tuned in, right? That's why we need to emphasize teachings like that. Teachings on greed. Warning against greed. But anyway, that's aside. I said the gospel is <laughs> a hindrance to supernatural intervention. Look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. Are you in Second Peter 3 verse 9? Read as loud as you can. One, two, go. The Lord is not slack. When you see people who are wicked, you know, in fact, sometimes they live longer than good people. It says the Lord is not slack, and some count slackness. He is long-suffering, not willing that any should perish. Let me tell you something. When Stephen was being stoned, if fire and brimstone consumed everybody there, two-thirds of the New Testament would disappear. Because there was a man there named Saul, also called, also called Paul. He was later going to come to repent. Listen, and so this strategy of God worked in his life and in the life of many, many else. Many other people. Some of you here, I know some people, even in this church, who had a horrible past. And now you are blood-bought, washed, sanctified. You don't look like where you're coming from, you know, and all of that. And you rejoice. You celebrate God for it. And now you don't want to give other people a chance. Saul was on his way to arrest Christians. He was on his way to persecute Christians when he found Christ. Whether you like it or yes, because you must like it. That's a fact in the Bible, a fact in God. God is long-suffering. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of the truth, come to repentance. All right? Hallelujah. And I know that this is um, a tall order for a generation that cannot wait. A fast food generation. But at the end of the day, you see, we see things differently. I explained this in a sermon I preached about two years ago. If you are the founder of Apple, or you are part of the people who manufacture the product. 
if your iPhone falls and something breaks in it, you will have a different reaction to a normal consumer whose phone falls. Is that true? Why? Because you have a different assessment of the problem. There is a reason why natural death is such a problem to us. It's a big deal. And mind you, you don't have a high priest that is not touched with the feelings of your infirmity. You know, when, when Lazarus died, Jesus wept. So he's not just looking at us and, you know, just looking at us and wondering what's the big deal. But at the end of the day, oh my God, when you are God, and even someone who has been dead a thousand years, by the snap of your fingers or the blast of your nostrils, can live again. Your urgency and emergency is not his emergency. Do you understand what I'm saying? They'll, they'll, they'll live again. And that's the biggest priority. Oh my God. That's the biggest priority. And so now, I have a choice. If I kill everyone who is trying to kill Stephen, they will go into eternal damnation. But if I wait, Stephen still has a new body. And these people have more chance to receive eternal redemption. So this is, you, you have to understand the priority of God. From your own natural limited standpoint, it looks like a lot. God, why will you allow this happen? But he's not willing that any should perish. And you better be thankful that the one who has all powerful is also all merciful. <laughs> you better be thankful. You better be thankful. Be thankful. He's long-suffering. Not willing that any should perish. Sometimes in our moment of vulnerability, we wish God is who he wasn't or who he isn't. But be very thankful that he's God. Otherwise, even probably some of you and some of your loved ones, <laughs> if God did not spare, I'm telling you, it will touch you. <laughs> if God wasn't long-suffering, it will touch you. What is number one? What is number two? What is number three? And you see, men in the Bible believed so much in the compensation of the gospel that they became reckless even with their current life. Gamers know what I'm saying. There are some things you won't try if you have just one life left. <laughs> Isn't that true? Well, you know that ah, you still have like four. You can experiment new things. Hallelujah. So when you have this perspective, the conscious, consciousness that you have a new body, ah, you will be generous with this current life for the sakes of those who have not found the hope that you have. And that, that's just the reality. Do you know one of the things that has made us vulnerable as a church? And Let me just say this. If you came here for a healing, don't worry. Because some people, I saw someone in the spirit wondering. Like, <laughs> I cried for a long time yesterday evening because the woman whose baby was blind and I prayed for him, she sent me a video of him watching TV and dancing. Okay. I think, I think maybe I will send it to the media team. They will play it for you in the afternoon session. Like a normal child. He wasn't just blind. He had like a mental you know, issue. Everything 
like you you can't from that video tell anything was wrong to, wrong with him. So can God talk to us? Yes. Uh-huh, so <laughs> Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. The church cannot win a war against people who are not afraid to die. That's what makes us vulnerable. It is one thing for you to be angry at the sheer audacity of these wicked people. But also, the secret is we love our lives. We love our lives. And the people who claim to have the truth, who claim to have eternal life, are the most protective of their comfort. And the other people who strap themselves with bombs, you can't win that way. We focused on the wrong things, focused on our pocket, focused on our appetite. And now this is a turn in the flesh to make many realign their focus to what really counts. You have to ask yourself this. How come these people don't care? What are they seeing? What is their priority? What is ours? We need to tell ourselves the truth. If all you want is comfort, all you want is prosperity, now, some of you are scared, scared for your safety. I assure you, you can't win that way. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they loved not their life unto death. You, you see, you cannot prevail with the gospel afraid. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. You have to understand. It's either we believe this thing or we don't. It's either we believe it or we don't. Fear is what gives existence to their market. That's what makes them powerful. Hallelujah. Some of you are not ready for this. We'll talk and pray about it more. <laughs> Some things will enter you supernaturally when we pray. You, you, you just know. The fact that there are military people who by training, even if you catch them, they will not divulge information. Just out of loyalty to their government, loyalty to the oath they swore to the military, do whatever you want. Wow. Listen, people have been sacrificial for much less. Come on, are you with me? So now, some of you, at the slightest provocation, you are thinking, I I need to intensify my efforts to run away from here. (laughs) Let me tell you something. The spirit of terrorism is a global spirit. You have nowhere to run. It's either you, you, you stand up or you are doomed. There's nowhere to run. The places where you are going, they are very likely hotter People like what you what you saw in that unfortunate fortunate incident in, in, in that school happens very often in the US. Are you aware? In schools, it happens in schools. It happens in schools. You have nowhere to run. Listen. They that know their God shall be strong. That's our only answer. That's our only answer. We have to 
go back into the world, train ourselves, prepare ourselves, that's the only answer. You have nowhere to run. And of course, there is supernatural intervention. Now, let me say this to you. Supernatural interventions are the exceptions. Check out the ratio in the Bible. <laughs> the ratio of people who were persecuted to the people who were delivered from persecution. It's not even com comparable. Are you with me? But in our teaching, we have majored on the exceptions. We have majored on the exceptions. And you also need to know why supernatural interventions happen. Of course, apart from the love of God, there are more important reasons why it happens. Study, there's a pattern. Number one reason supernatural interventions happen is for evangelical purposes. For evangelical purposes, think about it. The only reason Rahab chose to protect those spies from, 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 from Israel is because the Bible says, she said, we have heard of what God did in Egypt. We have heard of what God did to the two kings of Amorites, of the Amorites, we've heard. So the supernatural intervention became an evangelical message to people ahead. Do you understand what I'm saying? The only reason why Jonah went to preach in Nineveh and without performing a single miracle, everybody in Nineveh repented. Maybe it never occurred to you. That's the most effective evangelist in the entire Bible. Even Elijah, with all his signs and wonders, did not have that much result. But think about it. When you are following on Instablog all that is happening in Egypt, <laughs> you're following the story. Ah, this plague has happened. The story was spreading. The river turned to blood. What? Just imagine another king. You'll be imagining, what is this? Is it true? You send spies. It's true. Everywhere is dark. Only... Goshen has light. Ha, it's true. Now you're wondering. Then one day, everybody wakes up, and in every house, the sound of crying. Pharaoh eventually lets them go, changes his mind again. You know, Pharaoh drowns. You hear of this. Then one day, a Jewish man, you can tell from the accent, comes to Nineveh and says, I have a message from God. <laughs> the king of Nineveh said, everybody must fast. I must not see. <laughs> he said, even animals, just, even animals must fast. It's just so that nobody will be feeding animal and hide and eat. <laughs> he said, no, in this kingdom. <laughs> Evangelical purposes. And the second reason, they're both evangelical purposes, is also if God's evangelical purpose is in your hands. Ah, uh, <laughs> Peter could not have died when he died. He just couldn't have. Paul couldn't have. Uh, Peter couldn't have died before when he died, I, I, meant, I meant to say. Paul couldn't have died before when he died. They just had a lot to say. A lot to do. And so when God protects you from, you know, the storm in your voyage, it is because he has much people in this city. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying this because... If you want to enjoy supernatural intervention, make sure you are relevant to the agenda of God. Not just because, oh, well, he loves me, I cannot say why. I I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
He will protect me. I'm his baby girl. Mm. <laughs> Especially when it's a win-win situation. If you, if you go to him, it's not a loss. If you go to him, it's not a loss. You're staying here. If you, if you will superimpose on natural laws to interfere, it must be relevant to his plan. When God knows that on, on account of your life, many others will live. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's something you can bargain with. <laughs> it's something you can bargain with. Praise the Lord. Come on, I said, praise the Lord. Come on, I said, praise the Lord. Come on, I said, praise the Lord. All four are important. And like in any other matter of doctrine, the church struggles with balance. There are some people who overemphasize common sense. Some people overemphasize supernatural intervention. They are so irresponsible. I've told you about the person, you know, who was about to travel, you know, and he brought out anointed oil and was pouring it on his tires. I'm just like, that's good, but do you have spare tire? <laughs> you know, it's... Get a spare tire. Get a spare tire. Lord, I've not bought fuel, but let this fuel carry me to. These are some of the things we do, even when we have options to be responsible. Come on, are you with me? If you don't know me, you would think <laughs> I don't see supernatural interventions in my life. There, I have scary things I can't share. <laughs> you know, but this is the word of God. Miracles were never designed to replace natural mode of living. You're, you're, not, you're, supp you're supposed to still be a human being. No matter the realms and the portals that you have opened, you are supposed to eat, you are supposed to exercise. Otherwise, there will be consequences. Are you listening to me? You know, one of the most respected people in terms of you know, healing in this country, Pastor Chris, you know, he made a statement and I shook. He said, many of the people that I see in the healing school will not be there if they drank more water. Just imagine. Now, okay, say he does not have faith now. There are just simple laws. What's your water consumption like? If I say, are you sleeping enough? Some of you look at me like, but when I, when I rest, I will now say it later. In, in, in future sermon. <laughs> Hallelujah! Oh, listen. So, there must be a balance. Common sense, supernatural intervention. That's how we roll. In the balance of all these things. This is how to work with understanding. So, yes, we are going to be formidable when we have our PVC. But let me tell you something. If anybody deceives you into thinking PVC is enough in this country, you are joking. If someone wins democratically and they don't allow him, it won't be the first time. Are you listening to me? You know, you know our generation, <laughs> we are poor in history. Let me tell you something. This administration is very bad, very, very bad. But if you think this is close to the worst this nation has seen, you are joking. You are joking. You are joking. When a president has a hit list, has assassins, 
You, you don't know, you don't, you don't understand. Anybody that criticizes him, both clergy or politicians, you just know. You, you, you don't understand. You don't understand. An administration that PVC was helpless against, it took God. This same God that people are saying prayer will not do anything, it took God. It took God. Abacha regime, PVC. <laughs> They're joking. <laughs> are you listening to me? Don't be unwise, not knowing what the will of the Lord is. Hallelujah. So, let me just say this as I round off. I, I, will, I will round off with what I would call a short charge. There is a type of prayer that has no agenda. Okay, praise and worship, singing, um, prayer for country, prayer for souls. Because of the free will of man, when God wants to execute anything on the earth, he needs man. And many times, because of the infirmity of man that I spoke about, man does not know what to pray for as he should. And so God has given us a spiritual avenue in the gift of tongues, where he can put information in our spirits, and we will pray it out even if our consciousness is ignorant. Come on, are you with me? Yes, it's a powerful tool. Powerful tool. As they ministered to the Lord. No agenda. No agenda. No prayer points. John Wesley said, ah, it seems, this is a spiritual observation. It seems that without God, man cannot. And without man, God will not. We've emphasized the first part. That, oh, without God, man cannot. You must learn to pray about everything. In everything, with prayer and supplication, make a request known to God. You know, we've emphasized that. But without man, God will not. Listen, because of the dominion of man, no spirit has jurisdiction on the earth without the cooperation of a human being. And so if God is going to cast out the legion from that man, the demons will now beg, can we at least enter pigs? Even if he speaks, we just need, because you see, when a spirit leaves a man, he walks upon dry places looking for the next place to stay in. That's how they operate. They need a human being to cooperate with them. It's not any different with God. God wants to make you an instrument of prayer. So when he wants to achieve something, like in Isaiah chapter 6, he summons you to peep into the conversations of his heart. Whom shall I send? Who will go for me? You know, the moment you say, here I am, he will reveal secret things to you. He will give you prayer points. And sometimes you don't even know. You don't even know what you're changing. You don't even know what you're altering. But with tongues, you're speaking mysteries to God. No one understands you. Howbeit in the spirit, you are releasing what? Mysteries. That's the number one reason we came here. We will know what will happen later. Hallelujah. Pray. Prayer is powerful. Don't, don't, don't doubt it. Don't doubt it. And sometimes the effect of prayer looks like, like a coincidence. <laughs> when the angel said to Joseph, take your young child and go to Egypt until I bring you word. Few years later, practically months later, he came back and said, you can return now with your young child because all who seek his life are dead. The, Jesus was still a toddler, so they couldn't have died of old age. Did you catch that? <laughs> There will be a lot of 
coincidências. Did you hear what I said? I said, did you hear what I said? All right, we still have a few minutes before this morning session ends. Stand up and let's, let's charge up a little. Then we'll continue in the afternoon. Begin to pray right now. listening. We are sure that you have been blessed. For inquiries, reach us on our helpline 0809-996-7000. Blessings.